Yo, I'm Will. Welcome. I call this little experiment anything is everything. It's got to be called something. The intention here is to share interesting, courageous, enlightening, vulnerable, strange, silly conversations to uh, maybe hopefully inspire something in you. All right, cool. Bye. All right. Welcome, people. Welcome back. <laughs> Anything is everything. And today, I have the honor to sit with, to speak with, Lisa Marie Walker. She's a ceremony master in the community, a ritualist of sorts, in my opinion, uh, a real shaman, a real healer, and I know you do so much for the community, so just want to say thank you. Thank you, Will. Uh-huh. Thanks for joining me. Thanks. It's a pleasure. Uh-huh. Thanks for having me in your space. Yeah. Feels good. It's nice to finally sit and talk with you, because we've like cross paths many times on dance floors and mm-hmm. otherwise and yeah yeah it's great to be here and it's great to have the opportunity to to speak with you and to share so i thank you for creating this opportunity oh yeah it feels good so one thing uh well firstly um i reached out to you this summer this past summer for a bunch of advice because mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to be invited to facilitate a wedding ceremony, which is something you've done a lot of. Mm-hmm. Where, how did the, just to start, like, how did your entrance into facilitating ceremonies and stuff come about? And that mm. might even include your, like, entrance into magic and <laughs> that world. Yeah, I mean, I would say that I always had a love of, ceremony and ritual before I maybe really knew what it was Mm. Um, and when I was younger I was often my friend group was a little bit older than me Mm -hmm. and uh, was always kind of seemed to be affiliated with uh, you know nature and earth-based spirituality and so we were always marking like the solstice or the equinox Mm. or full moon circles and this sort of thing And then I was at a friend's wedding, and uh, another friend was officiating it, and I was doing a reading in the ceremony, Hmm. and something just clicked in me and said, I am built for this, like Mm -hmm. I am made for this, and what do I do with that? So I looked at becoming a commissioner, so you, you know, go through Alberta government, and you have to be in your region, and there has to be an opening or a need in your city, or... Mm -hmm town or whatever and there was nothing like that and it seemed pretty you know small box yeah uh so I was at another workshop and this woman said why don't you look into becoming a celebrant and I was like I've never heard of a celebrant what's the celebrant and uh so the celebrant movement started in Australia and then has traveled through Europe and the U.S. and is growing in Canada and so it's um yeah, a body of work where we as celebrants are ceremonialists, really, and officiate mm. ceremony and ritual um, for many needs mm-hmm. throughout the life cycle. So I discovered a school in New Jersey uh, that was doing online teachings before online teachings were really a thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I embarked on that 
I did the fundamentals program in 2013 and then took a weddings program in 2014 and took the funerals program in 2016. Mm. And um, yeah, so that's how I, that's how I came to be um, doing this work, which is just a huge love and passion of mine mm. and sits very naturally in my system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's great. Yeah, celebrant is a way better title than officiant, too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> agreed. Yeah, um, so there was an element of, like, in that first wedding when you were reading, um, there was this, like, knowing or, like, I mean, part of what I heard was, like, an assuredness, mm -hmm. you know, of, like, this is what I'm to be doing. Is that, did you have a lot of, like, assuredness in in your life already was that like a normal feeling or was that one of the mm. one of the earlier times of of knowing it's a great question um it was a familiar feeling so yeah i also knew <clears throat> that i wanted to come into the healing arts mm -hmm. like and it wasn't like oh i think this is something i'd like to do um it kind of came through happenstance. Um, but I also had a vision when I was a child that I would study the healing arts in, in the U.S. And mm. I did take my training in Portland, Oregon. Mm. You know, I had a vision that I was going to marry for love and have two children. Uh, and I did. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I knew the house we... I knew I was going to work at a fire tower for a summer. I knew the house we moved into we were going to end up buying. I didn't know how that was ever going to happen. Sure. You know. Um, so this was, I knew, I was familiar enough with that feeling of like, yes, that, yeah, it was like, okay, we're on track, all green lights, let's go. Wow, well, well. <clears throat> Yeah. Did you have any uh, family members that were like in the knowing or in the magic, or was this something that you kind of had to kind of stumble through yourself, or like, you know, you said your friends were doing full moon stuff and around the equinox and solstice, so was that more inspired, yeah. or was there family members or mentors when you were early? I would early? say uh, it was, like, in my family, we, we weren't raised in any religion, and uh, for my mother, I would say the garden was, you know, the garden was her spirituality, oh. and so... I feel like that base has nourishment for for you know where I went mm -hmm. because there was a lot of uh, open space in terms of ways of expressing yourself and belief systems because mm -hmm. um, nothing was imposed on us as kids mm -hmm. and um, yeah there was just an openness there but there was nothing ever practiced say within the family but I do feel like just just that foundation of how I was raised also gave space for for my natural interest in expression mm. yeah and and certainly a love of nature comes through my mom a lot you know oh. I would I would say uh, my dad too but not in the same way like he he didn't quite have he did have a love of nature but it was yeah it was wasn't expressed in the same way sure mm-hmm were did you did you share your early visions with your mom or your parents? No, I don't think I did. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't, it wasn't like I should share them or shouldn't share them. It was yeah. just like, oh, it just kind of came through. And it's kind of like, oh, that's interesting. Hmm. Tuck that away. Uh -huh. And it wasn't, you know, till much later that it was like, oh, interesting. Look at how that's come to pass. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That, that reminds me of like, that reminds me about what that, 
what that brings up is like the non-attachment to those to those things you mm-hmm. know because when <clears throat> when we have like these ideas or these visions then gripping onto them so tightly can almost like strangle them from mm-hmm. from existence kind of yeah. thing you know yeah so it's beautiful that you're you naturally just kind of like let them go yeah yeah it's just kind of like hmm okay <laughs> yeah thanks that's great so coming into well I want to talk about your earlier days more um so with your friend group was it like in your in as early as like your teens that you guys were aware of um like full moons and equinoxes and solstice or probably yeah in my yeah in my later teens maybe more into my early 20s actually probably more into my early 20s yeah um and maybe the later teens too yeah and i would say you know i did um i did a three-week uh mountaineering trip when I was, you know, with, uh, I don't think that school exists anymore, but it was uh, Yamnaska Mountain School. Mm. And I remember being like standing in the, it was a winter trip and I was standing in the middle of the lake. It was a cross country trip. And, uh, and just having this feeling of like, wow, I'm like, so nothing and so Mm. everything, you know, in, in this moment of, kind of realizing like I'm like a grain of sand on the beach among a million grains of sand on the beach but all of us are important yeah you know, we all have our place and, and there was something really profound about that um that that I think stayed with me as a perhaps a real opening to to go deeper into my spirituality uh-huh. and I think I would have been about 17 at that time yeah beautiful I think that's a I think that's a common sentiment that like us humans come to is like wow I'm a grain of sand in all this and I'm really glad that you also had the knowing or the feeling that and each grain of sand is important yeah because I think I mean there's there's people out there who have that realization and then it's like they don't have that feeling of like importance as a grain of sand yeah I agree I agree we can you know if you don't get the other piece then you could go into feeling like I'm insignificant you know I'm I'm just a grain of sand I'm, what can I do and and it's like yeah but you need all the grains of sand to create a beautiful beach uh-huh. you know and each one is unique just like each of the snowflakes you know so, and we all bring our unique medicine to create this beautiful landscape yeah yeah <clears throat> There's, there's like I think there might be as many answers as there are grains of sand but is there a, is there a reminder for somebody who might think that oh I'm just a grain of sand buried underneath mm. all the rest is there a reminder of their like their importance of their place I would just say you know your being here should be a reminder yeah. you know just our, our actual being here I mean our being here is such a miracle you know, and so there's a reason I'm here, and and it doesn't have to be grandiose. You know, I think we can get really caught in thinking, and our and we're con- you know our society kind of encourages and conditions. You know, what's your purpose? You know, mm-hmm. do do big great things in the world, and it's like no. How about offering a genuine smile to another human being and making genuine eye contact and 
genuine, I think bringing our sincerity forward is one of the hugest gifts we can offer. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I try to make that eye contact with, with the cashier, you know, and it's, and sometimes when we, we're both making that eye contact, it's explosive, you know. There's one woman in, in a small town I visit, the butcher shop, and I've only been in a couple of times, and we have this eye connection, and it's, and it's like, I know we're both really being fed by this, you know, and it's also kind of, sometimes feels rare, you know, where, where you can really have that, um, that connection and that offering. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I would just say, you know, yeah, your being here tells you that you're not nothing, uh-huh. you know? Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. It's like such a sideline and so interesting, but I'm like I'm having this story play out of this woman in the butcher shop who like she hears the door, hears the bell and sees you and is like, oh shit. <laughs> Can happen again. <laughs> oh, she lights up too. Yeah, of course. we both know now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so special. There's like, and there's the opportunity for like, in, near infinite amount of those, of those passings. Yeah, you know, I often think about how there's this urge in me to like tell the person that I'm walking past, like. I love you. I'm so glad to pass you at this moment. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's like, boom, gone. Yeah. To perhaps never see them again. But that's the other cool thing is that who knows how many times I've passed this person, you know? Mm -hmm. And we also don't know the blessing we're offering just by our being. Uh You know, there's a beautiful artist that I love named Eric Bibb. And uh, he came to the Calgary Folk Festival some years ago. And um, I just remember observing him, like who he is on stage, but then I was watching him walk with the guitar on his back and he was walking through the park and he was probably heading to the hotel. And there's something in the way that he carries himself, Mm. in my opinion, in my observation, the way in which he carries himself through the world is such an offering, it's such a gift. And I'm sure he's cultivated that. Like I'm, I'm sure he has awareness of like, holding himself in his integrity and holding himself, you know, in it as it just, it just seems to come off him. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it's really beautiful. So mm. he, he's been an inspiration for me of like, you know, don't forget, like he's having an impact on me. He has no idea I even exist. He has mm. no idea I'm even observing him mm. and I'm being changed by his presence. Uh-huh. Right, and yeah. so that's something for us to remember is like, you know, we can impact people by our very presence of being, and we might not even know they're around. We might even not know, you know, they're seeing us. Uh-huh. And so I want to be as mindful as I can that my impact is that of the highest good, you know. And it doesn't mean, you know, yeah, we're gonna have bad days and we're gonna, you know, have a hard time, and you know, but um, if we can just ask to be a blessing maybe and and to receive the blessings from the world in the morning uh-huh. yeah well, <laughs> he didn't know until he listened to this podcast that's right eric <laughs> eric Bill. i actually sent a i think i sent an email you know found the uh, fan base or whatever i have no idea i think his daughter was collecting them at the time and i have no idea if it ever got to him but i was like i also feel it's important to share these that you know the things that uh like 
why not let somebody know if they're having that that impact so mm -hmm. um so i made an effort have no idea and it's all good yeah it i is. did my part yeah it's out there <laughs> the spirits pick it up they know mm -hmm. what there's like there is a hesitation for sure to like to to give a stranger a compliment or something you know and there are there are societal reasons i think of like you know seeming seeming weird or seeming strange or like having intention having like alternate motives mm -hmm. alternate intentions mm -hmm. but i can definitely relate in that like you know it, I, if i if i get the feeling to like compliment somebody i like do my absolute best to throw it out there even you know even if like if it's like a sweet woman and her like six foot five bald boyfriend is right beside i'll like i'll still do my best to like share that you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what do you and and i'm sure it's like it's a common thing for people to be like oh i want to tell this person this thing but there can be like that block mm -hmm. do you have anything to say to to those people who like who have that block of like of sharing their feelings mm -hmm. well i think you know it's important to listen um mm -hmm. carefully to like also why do i want to share and where am I sharing from? Mm. And, you know, you might be picking up their resistance to to having something come to them. So there's an honoring of people's personal space and boundaries and ability to receive. So a lot can be shared non-verbally mm. um, that can be less invasive. Mm -hmm. And um, it's also lovely to receive. It's lovely to receive. A compliment mm -hmm. you know a genuine compliment because um, you know sometimes yeah I have to ask you know what what is the purpose in my compliment am I actually taking trying to take through this mm. compliment you know so I think it's really important to be mindful of where we're coming through usually for me if there's a genuine compliment it just has to come through and and there's and the and the pathways open um, for that to come through mm -hmm. you know if I'm either hesitating or it's just kind of not coming out I just honor that because maybe it's not right time mm -hmm. for that to come through you mm -hmm. know? yeah yeah thanks mm -hmm. for that mm -hmm. yeah something I can fully relate to and it <laughs> it even came up in a in a men's circle last night was um, I had a I had like I had something to like offer or share with um with the person the man who just shared something and initially i was like prompted to pro like asked if i had anything for them and i was like it's not fully formed yet so no not at this moment but it was like bubbling like right. big time and you know it came back around eventually and i was prompted again and there was like a hesitation in me and Oftentimes I'll like, I'll, I'll feel that that hesitation is like something to like overcome mm -hmm. more so than like, right. Than listening to it. Yeah. So is there, is there a way where I can like better discern whether that hesitation is like kind of a challenge or if it's like, no, this mm -hmm. isn't ready yet. Mm-hmm. Because when it put when I pushed through, it came out and it felt kind of messy, right? And it, there was some like 
understandings that needed to be like cleared up through it right and it worked out because everything mm-hmm. always works out but yeah. maybe it was like actually wait you know mm-hmm. yeah I mean I think that's very individual and and part of mm-hmm. our learning is making mistakes and mm-hmm. you know busting through with what we have to say and then going oh <laughs> like yeah. maybe I should have waited with that you know and sure. that's information for us and we start to learn what our inner cues are of like the yes to, to share and, and move forward and the like well let's just wait um, and you know um, there's sometimes windows for things mm. and so you know we also like I've had that feeling of like, ooh, I, th- I feel like I missed the window on that, uh-huh. you know, and well, bless that, that's, yeah. I learned that, you know, it's, it's, it's not, you know, I could go, oh, darn, geez, that's so bad, I'm so, you know, uh, or I can just go, well, thank you, like I learned that there's a window and mm. I learned what it feels like to hesitate when maybe I should give, so I don't really have a prescription, but I think learning learning our inner cues and learning our uh, our system's way of communicating with us mm-hmm. is, and that takes awareness. You know, that takes embodiment, really. Mm-hmm. You know, because coming from our head is very different than when we come. We're embodied, and we can get the information from our bodies and from our hearts and from our soma. You know, if there's a hesitation then there's something in us or in the other person that's probably not quite ready Mm -hmm. and to honor that Mm -hmm. yeah so interesting Mm -hmm. it's so cool because like you know there's the idea of like of like is everything written or is everything not you know and so either way you know let's say everything is written and it happens it's going to happen as it has been written it's like, well, these thoughts are coming up within the writing that are making me guess, you know, or second guess what I what I did, but what I did could have never been another way. Yeah. You know, but then the other way around, if if there if nothing is written and everything is open and there's a million possibilities, yeah. then it's so beautiful that that we can have these like hesitations and we can make this decision to not take the leap. And then we see that the leap is now way in the past and we kind of have to like live with that, become okay with that, surrender to the fact that we didn't leap. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, for me, it's it's just so beautiful both ways, whether everything is written yeah. or not. Yeah. Um, and to bless it, I think, and thank mm-hmm. it. You know, it's like, oh, that was great teaching. That was a great learning. And, you know, maybe I'd like to learn a little bit different next time or you know like okay I didn't take that leap but I trust it's going to come up there's another bridge coming mm. you know mm. along the pathway and maybe I'll be more ready to cross it then or you know what are the pieces I need along the way before I get to the opportunity to leap again that are really going to help me to do it and do it in a good way uh-huh. yeah so trusting the process you know sure mm-hmm. This is kind of a just came out of nowhere, but the ideas of the idea of regrets. Mm. Um, how have you, how have you learned to to surrender to the things that maybe right at the time was considered a regret? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think with regrets, it's um, being with it and. 
um, trying to, you know, bring it closer as much as you can in time, mm. bring it closer and, and love the regret um, until it dissolves. Uh. You know, so being able to, to have love, to forgive your actions or non-actions, you know, and um, speak to the places, you know, we're made up of all kinds of parts of ourselves. And so, you know, understanding that maybe this happened because a part wasn't ready or you were blind at the time or, you mm -hmm. know, maybe maybe there was intoxication or you know, different things that were making us unconscious or skewing where we were at the time. And, um, yeah, moving into forgiveness and acceptance. Mm -hmm. And and it takes time. You know, I remember having a, this beautiful image when I was really working through some things of, it's like a jacket. And, and, and I think there's even a ch children's story like this. It's, you know, where there's a jacket, this person loves the jacket, and they're wearing the jacket, and then they get too big for the, for the jacket. And mm -hmm. so mother turns it into a vest mm. and then they wear the vest and the vest is you know until it's kind of too big and getting tattered and then it turns into a tie and then it turns into a little hanky that goes in the jacket and then it's so threadbare that it just blows away in the wind mm. and and that image came to me when I was working through some things and it's like mm. you know the dissolving the slow dissolving but you you know you keep it with you and work with it and forgiveness and acceptance and love and generosity of heart and then it has no more you know it's not there anymore it's mm. it's, it's gone with the wind mm. um, so you know if we can be patient with ourselves and patient with the process and that's also you know where ceremony and ritual can come in is enacting these things like if there's a regret that we're really wanting to work with, we can do it through a ceremony and a ritual. Hmm. And it can have a really big um, shift for us. It can really help the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. And again, it's, it's, um, it's embodied. Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. So what you were just alluding to, um, if I heard it right, was that ceremony or ritual can can be created or can be the container for something as simple as like a thought so or like the idea of like getting over this regret mm -hmm. there can be a ceremony or a ritual just around something like that absolutely because I think when you know when I hear ritual and ceremony though I've learned otherwise the first thing that comes to mind is like something like a wedding or something like a Sundance or something like something mm -hmm. big a big mm -hmm. container that like everybody's involved in Right. But what I hear you say is that there can be a ritual just for me, just for this one yeah. idea and this mm -hmm. one thing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've done lots of personal rituals for people mm. um, that are navigating through different scenarios. Um, you know, so various people have left their uh, faith mm. and so need help well, in, in releasing the ties to that in a good way, in a loving way. Um, coming into your retirement, it's a big transition, especially for men, and mm. you know, it's not often marked in a in a conscious way. Mm -hmm. um, leaving a relationship, you know, uh, miscarriages, coming of age, um, 
yeah, all kinds of things. Um, and you know, what's coming to my mind is I was once asked to, to speak at a, it was a, a meetup group called um, Amicable Divorce. Mm. And it happened to be all men there that night, and it was about five men and the woman facilitator. And so I took them through this very simple exercise because a ritual or ceremony doesn't need to be grandiose. A ceremony usually is more grandiose. A ritual can be very small and it's really so much more about intention and attention. Mm. Um, and it can be simple. And so what I had them do is, you know, they're all in the process of separating from their marriage, you know, in their divorces or separating from their their spouses. and. Um, and so I had them each have two elastic bands, hmm. and then the elastic bands were interlocking. So we had the little interlocking circles, and then I had them take their fingers and and like took them into embody like breathe, feel your body, you know, be mindful of where you are, and slowly move those elastic bands apart from one another hmm. until they were separate. It was profound for those men and hmm. the woman who had been divorced for six years. Hmm. You know, it was like, whoa, like this little exercise, like one, one elastic band is, is you, the other one is your wife, or in her case, her husband. What does it feel like? Track your system. What does it feel like when you, when you separate these elastic bands until they're completely apart? Mm-hmm. And each person had a very different experience, very informative experience for themselves mm. that I think really helped them just that little tiny bit of like, oh, there was huge relief, uh-huh. you know, here, oh, like, I am not complete, like, I, I'm really still in love with, you know, not, not that the love ever needs to end. Right. Um, so, yeah, it was, you know, so it's, it's about intention and attention more than, you know, it having to be grandiose. It also, it's also very important to have, like, for me, there's three really important elements to a ceremony or a ritual. And that's um, that we are lovingly witnessed mm. by one, at least one other person, mm. and that we speak out loud mm. in some form, you know, what we're, what's going on or what we're doing or what we're releasing or what we're calling in, mm-hmm. and that you do some kind of physical movement so that you bring mm. it into your body in some way. Mm. And even if we look at a, a wedding, it has it has all those elements. You know, you've got all the witnesses of your your guests. You speak your vows out loud to one another, and even the exchange of the rings I would see as as an action mm-hmm. um, piece. There's lots more in there, but it it deeply embodies those elements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I love that. So there's the speaking out loud, being witnessed, and then the the action. Mm-hmm. That's really beautiful, and I love, love what you said about the attention and intention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really huge. This yeah, because yeah, I can see how, you know, maybe maybe in the in the vein of like the amicable divorce, um, there was maybe a lot of, there was intention, but there maybe wasn't like attention to like feelings or Mm -hmm. to like outcome or something like that and then just well of course and especially with like with having having the attention be on the feeling Mm -hmm. you know rather than like the ins and outs or like yeah 
I can yeah. see how that would be so profound. Mm-hmm. It's really beautiful. Yeah. And I love that uh, the idea of a retirement ceremony or ritual is really mm-hmm. huge because I, I know that and I've seen it in uh, in family members where there is a retirement and then it's almost like the end of end of life mm-hmm. and then there's like a heart attack like real quick after that or yeah, something yeah but like that should be like the the death of should that could be the death of you know, of of the work life and then the rebirth into like mm-hmm. infinite opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. yeah. So what what is what is maybe if you could speak to that, the the, the death and the rebirth aspect of, of ceremony. Yeah, absolutely. And that's really important too because, you know, with with whatever crossing we're going through, there is a death and a birth happening like mm-hmm. even if we look at the marriage you know say the 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 woman or the man they are they are saying goodbye to an old life they're saying goodbye to being single people mm-hmm. and they're saying hello to uh, a new life of being committed in marriage mm-hmm. and so often we don't take time to turn towards what we're leaving and say thank you you know, and like bless you, and like I also bring part of you with me, mm. and into this new life. We just go charging off into the new life, and then maybe look back and, you know, geez, I really miss that single woman. Well, you know, bring her with you as mm. well. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and like with retirement, you know, is another one. It's like wow, like that's a huge part of most of our lives. Go goes into our our work and and I think for men especially as um, you know often can be primary income earners for family or can have a lot of identification around around their work and so when that chapter ends it can feel like you say like what now I'm just a float in the ocean without a boat Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so yeah like turning Back, like, and actually, in the rituals, I actually do have the people turn back, like, actually turn their body and bless and thank and acknowledge, mm. you know, the life that has, you know, that beautiful body of work that's brought them to where they are now, mm-hmm. and also to take, like, take all the beautiful parts of that, like, all the beautiful, beautiful aspects of yourself that you can t- take and apply into something else as you turn and move towards where you're going mm-hmm. and hopefully ahead of time in our meetings we have an idea of where you want that forward path to go and what it might hold and entail mm-hmm. um, you know sometimes we have a fire where then something is ritually burned as a as a releasing and letting go or an acknowledgement of that ending and um, and then something is given you know like a seed for, for the new beginning that's that's available uh-huh. yeah well wow. mm-hmm. I love it one of the biggest parts that jumped out at me there um, was just the simplicity of the act of turning mm. and facing the past or yeah. speaking to the past I, I, I think and for me maybe in the past it's not so it's not true now but there was this idea that 
um, that ritual or ceremony had to be like extravagant or like big, big things. But Mm -hmm. like from what I'm hearing is that the simple act of turning can be a really impactful, huge physical action to like facilitate. Yeah. Oh yeah, those kinds of things actually hold quite a bit of power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and like I say, ceremony generally is considered bigger and that like mm-hmm. um, you know, has a lot of people and is kind of more community oriented. Even a wedding is including families and the bonding of families and um, but there are rituals within that. Like I would say, you know, the the vows and the ring exchange and you know, the different things that we might bring in to a wedding ceremony uh, are the are the ritual aspects mm-hmm. within the bigger ceremony mm-hmm. yeah and the ritual aspects can certainly always be done on their own mm-hmm. yeah yeah beautiful hmm. what makes you what makes you continue <coughs> to facilitate these things oh I just I really love um I just love it. I love to hold that sacred space, I guess, and be a witness, uh, be a conscious witness to these momentous events, you know, whether it's momentous of a wedding. And, you know, weddings are tricky because couples get so caught up and they can barely help it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And and so, I mean, I think ideally what I would like to start to bring into my wedding ceremonies is to actually really have a, a, a pre-wedding visit with them to really bring them into the mindfulness of like, remember mm. what you're doing, remember why you're here mm-hmm. and, and the resources they can call upon, especially the day of, um, to really bring themselves into presence. And some some couples do it really naturally. I can see it in them, and and some really need some help. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, I kind of have a, a mama bear aspect to myself. I yeah. kind of have this maternal wingspan, and and I do feel like I bring that into the ceremonies. And I do know that my presence makes a difference. And just like earlier when I was saying, you know, we don't know the impact we have, and uh, it might not be recognized. But I know that I'm bringing um, something particular that is, I hope, of benefit. Uh-huh. You know, and same with with doing a memorial service. Well, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree that your presence is so special, especially mm-hmm. on dance floors. Actually, <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's <thank> so <laughs> good. It's so good. That is another passion that I love. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, so yeah, there's the there's the idea that um, that it's just normal or expected for on the day of the wedding is the bride's most stressed day, yeah, because of all the things and all the family blah blah. blah. Yeah. But what I was reminded of and what I think you know you'll totally agree with is that um, so I've been present and invited to uh, to to hold space or be present at several vision quests Mm. and at those yes there is the there is the leading up to to that week plus of being on site the the person that is questing there is a lot of things that they need to 
get in order, you know, invites they need to send, you know, people that they need to have in place. But when we get there, they do nothing. Yeah, I've, I've vision quested. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, yeah. So when, mm-hmm. when, when we get to that site or whatever, the person that is questing does nothing. They don't prepare food. Mm-hmm. They don't set up their, their, their tent before they go out. They don't even set up their space that they'll be sitting in. You know, so how how can we apply that to to more to more common or more new age? Mm. It's not a new age thing, but a more new thing like like weddings. Hmm. Oh yeah, uh, that's a good question. It's hard because it's a it's a bit of a runaway train. You know, the mm. the whole wedding industry. Mm. Um, so it really t- takes a couple's mindfulness to go like how to keep it where they want it to be and I don't I don't know I I mean it would really take some mindfulness for you know the family perhaps I think other cultures probably do have that in place I don't know for sure but I do think um, other cultures would have it in place where you know the man and the woman are tended to Mm -hmm. on that day and maybe we think there's tending to with the makeup and the hair you know in the dress um, but it's pretty full on, yeah. you know, and, and pretty stressful. And so, you know, oftentimes I feel like, yeah, couples can kind of miss it, you know? Right. And, uh, so I think tending to these people would be very good and to have eldership, you know, to have yeah. elders, uh, share with them, you know, or, or seek counsel from elders in whatever way that looks for you. You know, maybe if, if you're part of a, a religious organization, you would go to the, the priest or the pastor, or, you know, elders in your family, come to me, you know, uh-huh. and, and go, how can we do this in, in a way that, um, that really serves our intention and our togetherness. You know, and understanding, like, you know, I send a questionnaire out to couples prior to their wedding, mm-hmm. you know, asking questions about them. So I get to know them personally, but also, like, what are your values and why are you taking this step into marriage and what does it mean to you? Mm-hmm. You know, and it gets them thinking and they're always really appreciative. It's like, oh, yeah, this is really good to reflect on these things and, and to talk about this together and kind of have a bit of that foundation of that's right why are we doing this you know what is our what is our vision for our marriage Mm -hmm. yeah so seeking eldership I think would be huge Mm -hmm. Um, yeah yeah beautiful yeah I really uh, (laughs) everything that you said to me just like just made it like smooth like the eldership I I saw it in you yes you did for the wedding just like made everything so easy Mm because it was like I really didn't know what I was getting into. I knew that it was going to work out and everything and be beautiful, but just, yeah, having having you to lean on was just like, yeah, mm. it just like did all, all the groundwork. And mm. so that whole, that it keeps, the idea keeps coming back to me of the, you know, it's standing on the, standing on the shoulders of the giants who came before, you right. know, it's, it's simply foolish <laughs> not to do so. Right. Yeah. If you want to like, it's fine if you want to like carve out a, go through the understanding of like the whole process and 
da 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 but like get ready for some like bumps and bruises along the way yeah you know and yeah. everything does work out perfect but like yeah seeking eldership is mm-hmm. in all aspects is like so important mm-hmm. yeah I mean we have these amazing elders with all this knowledge and you know for the most part our culture doesn't really know how to utilize their wisdom um, mm-hmm. or create opportunity maybe for that and and as youth I don't know how much we are taught or encouraged to value and seek the wisdom of our elders and you know not every old person is a is an elder yeah <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> or is, has wisdom to pass on yeah, yeah. you know um, but many do uh-huh. and uh, yeah yeah I love that there's so many different avenues to go there with like you know just the the way that we treat the elderly and these kinds of things you just mm-hmm. push them to the side for the younger one mm-hmm. to come in and these kinds of things mm-hmm. yeah yeah even that right like I heard a woman the other day speaking about how she was struggling with getting older in a culture that values youth mm-hmm. and you know there's a times especially in our 50s and and maybe men go through a similar thing but I know women definitely do Mm -hmm. where suddenly it's like where do I fit and suddenly I seem invisible and where's my place and you know it I I feel like it's a it's the rough waters and they get you know they get calm again Mm -hmm. come through Mm -hmm. and can get calm again you know finding our place and reaching out or having circles um to help people through that, uh, those transitions. Transitions are huge, you yeah. know, like, I mean, geez, I think we should be marking so many of the transitions in our life. Like we basically, you know, we have a graduation ceremony for youth when they're leaving 12 years of school. You know, we have another educational ceremony when you finish your university. We have you know, weddings, we have memorials, I guess we have a baptism perhaps, but we have very little in our, you know, Western culture of coming of age, you Mm -hmm. know, coming out as a gay person, Mm -hmm. um, shifting your sexual orientation or gender, Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, like I say, like leaving your family home or like when people move from their homes into a into a assisted living, like it's huge. That's yeah. huge for people, mm-hmm. you know. And there's very little often to to mark that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, a- anything that feels like we're coming to a threshold and we're crossing into new territory, I think deserves some kind of recognition and attention. Mm-hmm. So, and and I think. You know, I can name some, but I, I think we know, um, or if we're struggling with something, we're struggling with releasing something, or we're in a habitual pattern with something, you know, you can do a ceremony or ritual, and of course, with me, I do bring in, uh, you know, sometimes some of the my healing capacity or shamanic background to help relinquish some of these, these things, but crossing thresholds, and there's, you know, I, again, it's embodiment, actually having people take a mindful step Mm. this is where we are now this is where you're going let's step over this line this threshold line how do you feel on the other side Mm. you know what is needed here what do you see where are you going what's the path look like 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, bringing in our one of our greatest tools is our imagination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> oh, so many ways to go. <laughs> we should talk about imagination. I think we'll get there. <laughs> something that, something that came up for me when you were saying, you know, that the, the normal or the the ceremonies that we're likely to go through are like high school and university and, and you know those those graduations and then you know my heart immediately went out to the to those people who have to leave high school or choose to leave high school yes don't even get that one you know there's no yes. coming of age mm-hmm. and then they're just not just then they're they're going through work and they find a career and they they do the thing but you know there's no celebration for them for <clears throat> for leaving the standard route mm-hmm. which is very worth so that that is courage yes. Yes. you know and then for for working so hard that they then get a raise that they then mm-hmm. you know they get a promotion that they then are able to afford their own first whatever like yeah. they're I think that's that's a thing I really notice in people and it's actually something there's a the, the 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 woman who works at the young woman that works at the front desk at the clinic I'm working at is you know I I I tell her how amazing she is for all the work she's doing all the cleaning she's doing when she when she makes the the table before I do she's like oh it's nothing like it's not nothing it's yeah. so much like it, yeah, agreed. It doesn't have to be this big accomplishment that is like yeah. to be worth celebrating, in my mm-hmm. opinion. And mm-hmm. I feel that you feel the same way, you know. And so, Absolutely. for me, the more, the more mundane things that I can make incredible with my imagination mm-hmm. or in my own mind, mm-hmm. then you know, the better, the better it feels, and mm-hmm. you know, the more, the more purpose comes in. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you make a great point about, you know, acknowledging, you know, all the people that, that, um, yeah, say so don't, you know, don't go to school and, and the, and the courageous choice that is, or the circumstantial, um, position they're in that makes that happen. And those, and, you know, maybe you're taking care of your parents, like, yeah. Who knows what the circumstances are, but all could be celebrated or marked or given um, attention. Mm. And yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like motherless motherless Mother's Day. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, how do you celebrate Mother's Day when you don't have a mother? You know, and that's not, and we forget about that, right? Or Valentine's Day when. You know, people are starting to claim it and, and yeah. you know, uh, have their Valentine's Day or, you yeah. know, like with the girlfriends or hang sure. out with the guys or whatever, whatever it happens to be. Yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah. I yeah. Lots that. of overlooked places as well. Yeah. I know you love festivals. So what was just what was coming up for me was was a workshop that something like. Um, the, the ceremony for the uncelebrated mm. or something mm-hmm. you know yeah. where you can call up the people who like who put up your hand if you never graduated now walk now do your walk and like say a thing or whatever yeah you know? 
those yeah. kinds of things. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a fun idea. Yeah. I mean, even, you know, I took a program a couple of years ago, um, a year-long program, and they had no graduation. And mm. I was appalled. Sure. And I let them know. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's like, no, you know, this is... And in fact, there were three of us. One guy brought, like, you know, I don't know where he got a costume shop or something, but he had the little gown and cap and, and made a made a, made a makeup, like, d- diploma. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the three of, three of us were there. We took pictures of ourselves. It's like, this oh. says a lot yeah. when people are creating their own ceremony because you're not providing one, uh-huh. you know, unacceptable to me. You know, it's like, yeah, let's, it's just like, yeah, let's just move on. It's like, no, let's pause for a minute and, and really celebrate our accomplishment here of a lot of hard work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I love that. Mm-hmm. So many ways. You know, I was um, at the beginning of hospice, I, I was giving talks um, at Hospice Calgary, or I was booked to give a talk at Hospice Calgary on ceremony and ritual around death and dying. Mm. And then COVID hit, so we did a Zoom. It was one of the first Zoom um, talks that we did. And so one of the questions that was asked, I think by one of the nurses or doctors, was how do we, we, we can't do what we used to do. And they were very good at having a lot of ceremony and ritual to mark um, the passing of a loved one beautiful mm, awesome and they couldn't do a lot of that and they couldn't allow the family in and yeah. so it was like you know what what is something we can do here and so one of the things I suggested was um, you know everybody can have a piece of ribbon and you can write your name on the ribbon mm. and you know and then you can tie all the ribbons together and one person can bring it in and this can hold the energy of the family and the loved ones that they can take with them Mm. So, all kinds of things and all kinds of ways, yeah, we have to reimagine things. Um, but, you know, lighting a candle can be a ritual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Can you share with me some of the your experiences or the ins and outs with the ritual or the ceremony of death? Because I don't, that's one that I don't know if I've ever heard anybody really talk about mm. I like I know there's like um, there's like death doulas and things that will walk people through and the families and that kind of thing but mm-hmm. and also the the idea <clears throat> the idea that I have that um, ceremony or ritual marks something where there's a death and then a rebirth into like mm-hmm. something that I can see you know I can see that my career is starting I can see mm. that I'm now married. I can see that, mm-hmm. you know, I've just purchased a house or whatever. Right. But with its with death, the ceremony is like we can't we can't see for sure what's mm-hmm. what's coming. Mm-hmm. So what do those ceremonies or rituals look like or Well, and and there's two things you're right. I mean, it's great. There it, it is intangible in one way. Mm. Um the people left behind, mm. there's a tangibleness because mm. they are now living without that person in their life, mm-hmm. and and so that you know it's, they can't they can't know what's happening, like it is like an unknown world beyond the physical death. We all have our beliefs or um, imaginings around that, mm. so a lot of the ritual also can be for for the people remaining, 
too. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, everything from, you know, offering prayers or mantras to washing of the body. Um, mm-hmm. Family members can wash the body, anoint the body, you know, with um, music or chants or prayers or loving words or or whatever so preparing you know thanking the body for being an amazing vehicle to hold the spirit of this beautiful human mm. um, and uh, wrapping the body placing flowers over them um, you know and, and in hospice they would uh, have a beautiful quilt that went over when mm. the funeral home would come to take them and we would line the corridor and everybody would hold loving space and mm. honor that departure so um, lots lots can be done yeah. I once did a ceremony for a made death medically assisted um, oh, death wow. and what I really was doing is I was holding space for the people the family and close friends downstairs uh, while the wife and children were part of the actual um, ceremony of death upstairs. Wow. And so, you know, we had a ceremony together and then um, holding, really, I just love, we're really holding the space here um, for this process. It's such an honor. And then we went upstairs and I had given everybody a rose and so you know, everybody had an opportunity to put their love and blessings into the rose and mm. to, to speak out loud and then place the rose on the end of the bed of the man who had passed. And um, and then he, he was a rock collector, so, mm. you know, passed around a basket for each person to receive a stone in remembrance of him. It was beautiful. It was oh. very beautiful. That is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, also to remember some people lived hard lives or were difficult people in, in people's families, you mm-hmm. know, and how do you do that? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just blessing to the degree that we can, and yeah. being grateful to the degree, to degree that we can, because we don't want to, you know, acknowledge that somebody was something they weren't. Or like say yeah. that they were f- a fantastic person when <laughs> they were an abuser, you know. <laughs> I can relate. Yeah, so it's like let's let's be honest and truthful here, but yeah. um, kind. Yeah. 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 Forgiving and yeah, so forgiving, on. loving. I mean, something happened to them for them to be who they were. Everybody's, you know, dealing with what they've been dealt with in this life and mm. doing the best they can, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. yeah, there's that, uh, again, that aspect of speaking out loud with the anointment in the music. There's the physical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, um, I think there's a lot to lighting a candle for somebody for, you know, a period of time and acknowledging that, you know, maybe it's a journey. I say it's a journey over the Great River you know, to the other side where the ancestors are waiting to receive them. But, I mean, there's some beautiful teachings. Uh, I love Martin Prechtel, and Mm -hmm. he's got a beautiful book called um, The Smell of Rain on Dust, Mm -hmm. and it's uh, in praise, grief is praise. Mm -hmm. And speaking about how, you know, expressing our grief 
is praise for our loved ones and and also like they need our grief and to to help them across they need our grief and love to help them across the river you know and to 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 bid them farewell so Mm -hmm. it's a beautiful book for uh for people i think personally I, i love his storytelling and it's all um his life stories Mm-hmm. But you know, just reminding us, like, yeah, there's something to the wailing wall, you know. There's there's wailing. something to the wailing and the keening and uh, and uh, allowing that to come through. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, is is amazing. Mm-hmm. Marie Claire and I are actually reading, taking turns reading uh, the the talking jaguar. Oh yeah. Book. Stories and nuts. Yeah. Um, but that that idea of like of grief as an offering is like in that that other people need it it's so beautiful mm-hmm. and what I mm-hmm. what kind of came came to me when you said that was like <clears throat> even in the like in the aspect of like betterment of like habits so like if somebody is hurtful they need to hear the grief that they're causing mm-hmm. so that they can mm-hmm. right. you know die and be reborn you know of like within yeah. that habit yeah yeah sure yeah yeah and important not to stay there too long too right right yeah Yeah. the dwelling yeah the dwelling yeah I remember um at one point realizing like I had told I had told the story of uh my my divorce and there was just a lot of loss at once you know I was 50 and there was you know divorce like son youngest child left for university the Mm. dog died you know Mm. separation selling the house knowing the house was going to be demolished and you know just like a lot but I remember telling the story and then really feeling heard I, I don't think I realized at the time but when I reflected back I'm like there was a woman who was like shaking her head and I was like oh this is a lot like I'm being reflected Mm. back that this really is a lot and I'm like and this might be the last time I need to tell this story in this way Mm. and I could tell that if I kept telling the story in the way I was telling it I was identifying with it and I was holding on to it and it was becoming my it could become my identity Mm -hmm. rather than transcending the story and uh, so that's something for us to watch too Mm. you know that's why crossing the threshold can be very good because we actually are enacting that we're moving forward and crossing into new territory and yeah. relinquishing, letting something go. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Would you be able to, in you know whatever amount or capacity you feel like, because um, that is a massive, massive thing um, of the story, you know. So you you had that that knowing or the experience there of this might be the last time I need to tell this story so can you explain kind of maybe what the story was and then what the story became so that it wasn't this identity with what was you know it's it's I mean it's the same story however the the way in which I was telling it or the I guess I think you know for a while there it was maybe told from a victim standpoint Mm -hmm. or a suffering standpoint Mm -hmm. and then I got to be able to share it from this is one of my life lessons standpoint Mm. like this was a huge uh, 
transition time full of learning, you know, and a lot of that learning came through loss. Um, but, and it's become such good compost for my life, you know, so, mm-hmm. so going from kind of a victim suffering standpoint to, to like, oh, this is now like, fuel for for my life it's it's learning and I'm so grateful for it and and also like knowing that I've um, attended to it in in the best ways that I can for healing you mm-hmm. know that um, if I look and I regret you know or resentment or anything if I look and there's in the little corners is there anything left unattended to um, that needs to be come out and uh, brought forward and, and loved again brought into the light and I really think I've done a good job and we did a good job together too because mm. we did a ceremony uh, my ex-husband and I did a ceremony around unwinding our marriage and um, we did have that space held by a shamanic practitioner mm. and that made a lot of difference and then as a family we did a ceremony of you know wow. like with the kids and wow. they were like 19 and 21 um, and of you know forgiveness and uh, we did the hope opponent forgiveness prayer with one another uh-huh. actually beautiful and, it, and very so attending to it in a thoughtful and mindful way in a loving way and caring way yeah. really helped wow yeah. yeah that's so powerful like involving the kids yeah because I mean we see in society that often the kids are the most affected yeah in a bad way you know what and there I've done two other divorce ceremonies uh, involving family involving kids and some of the kids are young and they are so receptive like they get it and so it's been simple right it's like like I had a little picture frame with marbles in it right so on, mm. a, on this piece of paper that's shaped like a heart mm. and so it's the marbles of a family of five so that's like five marbles here and then I have another picture frame over here so then we take dad out and dad's going over into this picture frame Mm-hmm. And then, like, well, when, sometimes you're going to be here with mom, and then the three marbles, and sometimes you're going to be over here with dad, and you know. But you're all in this heart together, even though you've got these two separate homes. Like, making it tangible for them. It's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, okay, I get that. I can, you know, yeah, that that feels right. And mm-hmm. like, they really are very, very responsive. Mm-hmm. So we underestimate them, I think, mm-hmm. you know, and and make it make it okay. Totally. So yeah, there's there's this other sentiment of like, you know, what I'm picturing is the is the married couple who are miserable, but they're staying together mm-hmm. until the kids are old enough because mm-hmm. they have this assumption that the kids can't handle it mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. But what I'm hearing is that we underestimate the the strength of of others. You know, it doesn't really matter the age. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think it's all about how we do it, yeah. right? Like, I don't actually believe in a failed marriage, mm-hmm. you know? I think it, it's, it's, it's a transition, but it's how we go about these things, you know? Like, we hear about divorces as being some of the nastiest weapons, you know? Like, and kids are really often suffer in the middle of that. So, you know, can we acknowledge that, like, yes, this agreement that we've been in you know is coming to to an end and 
I'm not saying, you know, of course there's going to be times where we're angry and it's painful and it hurts and, it, you know, yes, like, it can be really, really difficult. I mean, I was blessed with a very loving and amicable support and uh, separation and divorce. Really good man, mm -hmm. you know. We, ha we care for each other deeply. We never see each other. It's not in our path anymore, you know. Mm -hmm. But, so I know, and then there's all kinds of scenarios out there that mm. are really complex and mm -hmm. really difficult. Um, but I do think if, if people can find a way at some point through the process to, to involve the kids, you know, not everyone's going to be able to do that. Not every family situation is going to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. But even one member of the family can do it, you know. Um, or even one member of a relationship. I mean, I did a separation ceremony for a woman who, like, she knew her partner couldn't be, wouldn't be part of it, but she needed to, to mark it. So mm -hmm. we, we could do it, you know, from her side. Mm -hmm. um, and a mother or a father can, can do their own ceremony mm -hmm. uh, with somebody else, like myself, to facilitate it. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to have everybody a part of it because the ripples go out. Yeah, in my last relationship, um, I feel so lucky not only for what we experienced together, but that we were able to have that decoupling ceremony, you know, mm -hmm. and we just did it ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it took three full seasons took almost a year from the yeah. point of separation to be able to come together and do it but we yeah. did it yes and man like the feelings and like the love we realized we had for each other mm -hmm. especially because of doing it yeah. you know and being able to hold each other again and mm -hmm. like see each other like the relationship just completely changed it mm -hmm. it was like became this realization that like I love you like a sibling you know yeah. like like so much and forever yeah and so and you know what I realized from being able to do that was how lucky we were to have that closure and how maybe like probably like 90-ish percent of relationships that end don't get that yeah you know, so we also set this intention that, like, you know, may others who haven't done this receive some of this healing mm, or whatever, beautiful. you know, which I think is super important to do in, yeah. in any amount of healing to offer that to. But to those who, would you be able to offer and maybe walk, walk people through, um, and, and I think maybe more often than not, it's like this woman who you facilitated for who wasn't, there wasn't able to be that joining Mm -hmm. because of feelings or or distance or even death happens right. you know yeah. and there's just yeah. not that chance to do it together mm -hmm. so would you be able to offer um how can somebody who has has ended a relationship or has been in the ending how can they how can they have that conscious like separation for themselves mm -hmm. yeah um you know, it's often like I'll I'll talk with the person to see what it is that they're like, what's motivating them to do this, or what's the need mm. behind. So it's 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 going to change for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, but always, you know, the cords of love always remain, and mm. so sometimes maybe we, we want to release the um, 
the attachment or the um, even the anger or the places where we're holding still onto the relationship and it can and then the physical ceremony can look all kinds of ways where like either maybe you're winding up a cord of thread that represents you know your relationship and that's a beautiful way to do it because you can you know I often will we'll start with where we are now and then recount some of the memories mm. of you know good bad or otherwise that that we've had mm. and roll them into this ball and then you know so you're you're gathering all the mm. energy you're gathering the memories and then often we'll um, have a sacred fire and burn them in the fire um, you know, if sometimes with the rings, there's the release of the ring and, uh, the ring, you know, one woman asked me to take the ring and I don't know she asked me to throw it in the river, but that's where I was guided was to go to Canmore and throw it off, off the train bridge in the river. And when I told her, she was like, oh, wow, that's like, you know, that's a significant place where we used to hang out or whatever, but I didn't yeah, know that. Of course. <laughs> um... You know, or the lighting of, of uh, like, say, you have one candle that represents your union, and you blow that out, and you light two separate candles representing each of you. So, like, another way of visually seeing you come into your own um, selves again and out of that union. Uh-huh. So, yeah, and depending on what made up that marriage, like for this woman, they canoed a lot. Uh. And so I happened to have a little tiny birch bark canoe. Oh. And so we put, you know, the words in the canoe and we went down to the river and we released the canoe into the river. Oh. You know, so it can look all kinds of different ways. You're so sweet for giving up your little tiny birch bark <laughs> canoe to that. How much do I'm you like, love these people? <laughs> this canoe is waiting for this moment. That's yeah. why it's here. Yeah. <laughs> I also heard you say this couple canoodled a lot. Canoodled. <laughs> Hopefully they did. Hopefully they did. So I also know that you know, and in that, in the nature of uh, of the work that you do, it is uh, a lot of the conclusions you come to of like of like the process are like beyond rationality. It's like I ha- I, I I just know I need to do this. Um, so I'm curious when it comes to when it comes to ceremony how. How does that like decision of like what the ritual or the ceremony looks like? How does that happen? Do you know what I yeah, mean? Like, is it a yeah. collaboration between you and the other people, and like something that is significant to them, or how does that look, or is it different all the time? Or? Yeah, it is a collaboration. Um, you know, I through our conversations, I learn about who they are, what the situation is, or what their life is, or what their you know what what the theme of the the ceremony is and then there's also like just what I would call listening to the field Mm. so um, you know we're in the ceremony we know we've got some pillar things that we're going to attend to but then I just get these impulses and I'll ask permission you know it's like okay I'm having the impulse to to do this are you does that resonate with you and if it's a yes, then we then we do it. Um, if it's a no, then that's you know we respect that. And so 
that's the best I can say. It's, it's mm. listening to the field and to, you know, because it, not often I'm calling upon um, guides and support and, you know, whoever their guides are that they're working with or angels or overseers or totems or just the, the, the spirit. I believe we all have benevolent guides that work with us and benevolent, you know, overseers. And so calling upon the, you know, the benevolent helpers to to be part of the ceremony. Mm-hmm. That's not always what happens, but sometimes mm-hmm. um, I open it in that way. And so then, yeah, there's there's a field of activity to listen to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so part of what I'm hearing and uh, would be the offering for people that are creating their own ritual or or ceremony is to just listen to whatever feels right for them. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, for people that are not spiritual or, um, or like connected, consciously connected to, to guides or whatever, um, that could be something like, you know, Googling how to ceremony and seeing what other people have done. Yeah. And then there's, I would assume that for, from you, there's an encouragement for them to make whatever it is their own. Yeah. You know, and to know there's no wrong way. Yeah. And you don't have to follow somebody else's steps to Absolutely. do something yes. successfully. Yes, that's or right. Or whatever. Yeah, these, you know, Googling or whatever can be um, examples, idea making, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit of stepping stones. But I think it's really important that we, we make it our own and that we have a kind of an emotional um, connection to what we're doing mm-hmm. uh, for it to have have the impact on us or Mm -hmm. with us yeah yeah beautiful I would love for you to speak a bit more to to this idea of like making or like finding our own I could say I could say spirituality for a lack of a better um for lack of a a, a perfect term um and and this is with the idea that so for me You know, I've grown up as a white settler in Canada. Mm -hmm. So this, these are not my like traditional lands, Mm -hmm. you know? And so growing up, I, 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 I felt a connection to the land and to, to life and to the universe, but I didn't grow up with a cultural, a thriving cultural tradition. Mm -hmm. So I, I had, I had no idea where my, my magic comes from, where my Mm -hmm. roots come from. Um, So what is a way that what is a way that somebody who grows up in a land where they're an immigrant can like find their own medicine? You know, is there a recommendation or how did that work for you? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, And yeah, one I've had to find my way through for sure, similar as you, Uh uh, being a a white female settler. Uh, My mother's from London. My father is from so I'm I'm like a, a first generation on one side and a second generation on on the other side of my family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so uh, I mean, I think Im- newer immigrants that have come from a really connected family or community or cultural orientation can probably really keep nourishing that um, you know within the communities that are here. Mm. And 
people like us, I find, you know, I have found this, it's like, yeah, this is a, this is a very between worlds place where like, I'm born onto this land. I'm a born and raised Calgarian and I feel very affiliated with this land. And I've always had a strong, ever since I was a kid, a strong gravitational attraction to First Nations and First Nations traditions. And also, even from a young age, felt the guilt. I didn't think I even understood where it came from, but mm. like this guilt of, you know, being a white settler. And so like, and how, how do I cross that? threshold into learning anything from these people who my ancestors you know completely decimated mm -hmm. or tried to mm -hmm. um, and so reconciling that uh, has been part of the process and also then going like yeah where are my roots mm -hmm. I mean you know they're European uh, for sure they're English European roots that I actually have no connection to Right. And I really don't have a draw to, you know. Um, and so, yeah, find it, finding that. And I, I really feel for us, you know, because mm -hmm. it's like there's not the container that holds you that's like been part of your family for generations and part of your cultural milieu and part of your community, you know. Like I... I really do gravitate to First Nations and Earth-based traditions. And um, I was at a, a sweat once and one of the young men said, you know, I'm so glad I have the res to return to. Mm. Like, I, you know, he's saying, like he gets held there. He gets held in his culture and held in the land. This is how I interpreted what he was saying. And I was like, yeah, where do I go? You know, where mm. do we go? Like, of course I have my family here. But that deep, steeped sense of roots and belonging and and understanding of a culture that you don't even question, mm -hmm. you know. Whereas I think that's why, as as white settlers were darting around to all, you know, let's try a little bit of um, Kundalini yoga, and then let's, you know, maybe try some shamanism, and let's. You know, unless we also come from like a very established, uh, you know, religion, maybe we're steeped in, in our Catholic um, religion, our faith, and, and that's serving us really well, mm -hmm. you know, then you can have that, I think, still. But yeah, I think when there can be a lot of sense of displacement, and um, I think it's just a matter of you know, in a way it's like, okay, well, I am here. I mm. am here now. And and just being, what is it that I am, that seems to feed me, that I gravitate towards? And how can I use that as nourishment for myself? Mm. Um, and it's tricky right now, too, because there's lots of appropriation, um, mindfulness, and... And yet, I, I just think things are changing and we're kind of in the midst of of the change, you know? Mm -hmm. And we're kind of in the midst of it. So there's kind of like, where where do we belong? Where is it all? Um, so I don't have a good answer for that because I'm kind of in the midst of sorting that myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a woman I sat in a circle with who 
was very adamant. She really felt like everybody should really go back to their roots, like wherever they happen to be living now. Yeah. She's like, go research your roots. And she's probably right, yeah. you know. Um, there's probably a lot more I could do to, to research my roots. I might be very surprised uh, that maybe I do feel more of a affiliation um, than what I do now because I just haven't haven't dove in quite enough. Mm. So yeah, I don't have a good answer for you. It's, yeah, yeah. it's a it's a betwixt in between place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's super true. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, the experience that that I've had, I'd love to share, is that you know the same is that I didn't know where I came from, and but um, yeah, so there's family that's like England, Scotland, and the closest one that I can that I always felt was that my grandfather was a first. Uh, first generation he came to Canada when he was 18 from Ireland mm -hmm. and when he died speaking of like ritual and ceremony when he died we brought we took his ashes back to Ireland mm. me my mom my grandma and my aunt mm. just the four of us and when I was there I got to uh, I met I met a couple shamans but one one especially where we did some initiatory type things and what really struck me was when he, the first time he called in sacred space, it was the four directions. It was calling to, yeah. you know, and that is the steeped tradition, yeah. the steeped ancient Celtic tradition. Right. That is the same as North American traditions. Mm -hmm. That's the same as South American traditions. That's mm -hmm. the same as all over the world. So what I feel really blessed to have learned is that once when I dug to my roots, I realized these roots these roots are, are growing the same trees that are growing over here, that yeah. are growing somewhere else, that are yeah. growing somewhere else. So I realized that, you know, my culture and my tradition is humanity, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and so, you know, it, with the, with, with the current, the current landscape, you know, and the growing pains that we're going through and everything, I find it really important to not to not claim any ownership or to or to strive to make anything that I do look like mm. a certain thing. So the same as, you know, the idea of like yeah, find inspiration from somebody else's ritual, but then make it your own. Mm. You know, so that's what I that's what I strive to do in anything. Mm -hmm. And that that just that feels good to me and it feels yeah. honoring of you know, of all the cultures, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, so true. That's so, so great. Yeah, you go down deep enough into the roots. They're universal roots. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's <laughs> nice. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. How are you feeling? Good. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what time we're at here. One um, and a half. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel I feel complete. Cool. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Such a delight. Is there any yeah. is there any closing things? Because I know, you know, before we spoke, um, before we started, we spoke. You you mentioned that um, there's just not enough education on ceremony and ritual. Mm-hmm. Um. So maybe. 
you know, not in, there's not an invitation to, I mean, there's always an invitation, but <laughs> there's not a push to give me a half an hour lesson on <laughs> ceremony and ritual. But what does, uh, what does maybe mindfulness learning of, of ceremony and ritual, what does that, what does that look yeah. like or how can we, how can we go towards that or, mm-hmm. or how can that importance surface? Yeah, I mean, and I do think it is coming around. Like, I, 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 in the early days, I mean, I've been doing this work professionally for eight years now, and I did write a couple of articles um, early on, and I have taught a ceremony and ritual class. It was quite a while ago now that I taught that. Um, and I am seeing more and more... A, you know, at least in the circles that I travel in, of course, there's a, there's quite an understanding of ceremony and ritual and the importance of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but ha- you know, in terms of for people that aren't versed in it, yeah, I'd like to to understand just how a simple ceremony or ritual can be very helpful, and with those simple ingredients of you know. Um, to be lovingly witnessed or have the health, the, the health space, mm-hmm. or, or taken through the steps, being tended to, and tending to these different things. Um, I think it really takes some experience. Like that's what was so cool about the amicable divorce with these men is they had a tangible experience that made their eyes open to go, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't. It shifted from something in their minds that they made were making whatever story they were making about what ceremony and ritual is to oh, I'm having a felt experience about it. That changes everything. Mm-hmm. And so I guess I would love more and more opportunities, and and it may happen where there's something you know we can offer um, in a bigger way. You know, to to the city of Calgary or mm. or something. Mm-hmm. You know, some some learning. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I do feel like there needs to be more education around it, and I don't. You know, I, I think experience is the way. You know, I mean, certainly. You know, maybe there will be some writing, some more writing that comes through me as well mm-hmm. uh, as an offering too. So. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for everything you're doing. Oh, it's thank so, you. so beautiful. And I know, you know, with lots of the people that I've spoken to, it's like there's the sentiment of, well, there's nothing else I'd rather be doing. You know, what I'm getting from this feels like it's more, almost more beneficial for me than for the people. Mm. But that doesn't discount the fact that you know you're like you're changing the world in a really beautiful way Mm. and it's Mm. really important so Mm. thank you thank you so much Mm. thank you Uh thank you for taking this time and for seeing me and seeing what I'm doing is worthy of doing a podcast with of course (laughs) I look forward to talking more too yeah absolutely um where can people find you yeah if you'd like to be found absolutely (laughs) all you beautiful people out there um lifecycleceremonies.ca that's my website Mm -hmm. and uh also lisamariewalker.ca is my massage website and Mm -hmm. 
that in itself, as you know, is its own little ritual and ceremony. Mm -hmm. I always feel like when I come to my table and come into a ceremony. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so those are the main ways that you could find me. And uh, yeah, it'd be great to see anybody receive a phone call or an email or text. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Eric Bibb, especially. Eric Bibb. <laughs> I'm gonna tag him somehow. He's gonna he's gonna know. <laughs> and Martin. It's like, wow, you're changed my world just by being who you are. Walking across the grass. And walking across the grass. That's all it takes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <sighs> thank you so much. You're amazing. Oh, thank you, Will. Uh -huh. Beautiful. Beautiful to spend the morning together. Yeah. Best day. <laughs> oh. All right, people. Point at the camera, point at the microphone, even though you can't see me. <laughs> see ya. Yeah. <laughs> Blessings on your day. <laughs> Blessings. We did it. We did it.